Okay, so we're talking to Jay Horowitz on Iron Sports 95.9, 106.9. Jay, thanks a lot for coming on our show. We're down here yeah, in fine. West Palm Beach, and I know you spent a lot of time at Port St. Lucie. They've been there since 1988, so thanks a lot for coming on the yes, show. Sir. No, my pleasure. It's good to have a lot of good memories in Port St. Lucie. <laughs> so you came out, Jay, with this book, Mr. Met, and it's your 40 years as the head of the PR of the New York Mets and all right. the stories you can tell. So for anyone who's a Met fan, and we have a lot of Met fans down here in West Palm Beach, but uh, this is a perfect book to, if, you, if you want to relive some great memories. Yeah, I, just, I wanted, didn't want to write a tell-all book. I just wanted really a feel-good book. and. I you know did all my relationship with the players through the years with Joe Torre, my first managers with Gary Carter, Mookie Wilson, David Wright, you know Bobby Valentine, Terry Collins, just rehashing my personal you know back and forth with them and the chapter about nine eleven and you know my growing up as a kid. So hopefully if you're a Mets fan, maybe a baseball fan, to get a kick out of it and bring back some good memories. You know uh, my first day with the Mets was April first, nineteen eighty. So a lot of stuff went on all those years. Hopefully. You know, people get a chuckle out of it. <laughs> That's great. And you started out as a as a sports writer. And the one thing that we're sort of missing, I mean, I'm, I like newspapers. I mean, I'm on the Internet. I have three different computers up right now looking at stuff. But I do like the whole aspect of being the, the sports writers and having a beat. And uh, and I know you work, you cover the Giants. The uh, Talk about, you know, the sadness a little bit when you see all these local newspapers that cover these teams going away, folding. And there's, and there's like the lack of, quote, sports writing out there. Yeah, it's kind of sad. I worked for a paper in New Jersey called the Herald News, and I actually, I was a giant fan going up, and I actually covered the Jets uh, the year after the Super Bowl year. I, you know, uh, Weeb Eubank, the coach, was a very nice to be. This is Walt Michaels. I got to know Johnny Sample a little bit, and, you know, Joe Namath. And I just, you know, coming from a small paper, all my, all my years with the Mets, I try to, you know, treat every, every paper like it was the New York Times and the New York Post. I didn't try to be favorites. It's kind of sad. You know, I used to I have, still have three papers delivered to my house here in New Jersey, and you know I read as many papers as I can. I'm not a Kindle guy or a you know internet guy. I like to have the papers in my hand, get ink all over my hands, and that's the way I was brought up. <laughs> so uh, you were the, the sports information director at uh, NYU and Fairleigh Dickinson, and then right, and, right, and, the, right. and then in 1980 you get a chance to go to be the head of PR at the New York Mets, and that's because when Fred Wilpom and Nelson Doubleday built, bought the team, so you have really right with you know the start of the current those Mets t- teams, you've been the the PR guy. Uh, talk about in terms of you, and you mentioned your book about what being a PR person back then is it's a little bit different than it as as it changed. You were saying how you. Were Getting kid, uh, getting some of the players uh, speaking to the Boy Scouts and the Little League, and getting them uh, things. You are really almost like their agent in some respects. Yeah, well, it's really changed a lot. The internet has made a big difference. When I first started, in the PR guy would write all the releases, and now it's on the internet, on the phones, and the agents would release stuff. And when I first started, you know, to get a player a hundred dollars to go on Ralph Connor's post game show was a big deal, <laughs> uh, and you know, to get two fifty to speak to. The Quantic Little League was a big deal. Not anymore. So it's really, you know, changed through the years. And uh, right now, the, you know, everything is on the cell phone, the uh, Instagram, the TikTok, whatever the heck that is. And, 
it's just a totally different atmosphere than when I started, you know, a long time ago. And talk about being in the sta- the New York stage. I mean, you know, there was when you see the, the. I always remember looking at the Yankees and the Mets, and the reporters after the game were interviewing, and they were just all around the locker, and there were so many different microphones. And then you see players from like the Kansas City Royals, and there might be like two beat writers, and it's just being the PR guy in New York for the Mets must have just been that extra added responsibility because you have so many media outlets and so much interest in these players. Yeah, New, New, New York is a, New York is a different place to play. I mean. You know, like a, an average home game, we might have 30, 35 press people there. And when we get into the playoffs, it could be up to as 100. And it's, it's a, you have to take a special kind of guy to work in New York, you know. And my whole my thing going through the years was I try to be honest, never to tell a lie. And once you lose your credibility here, there's more papers here. But as long as you're honest with the writers, you know, a good PR guy's got three separate masters. You have the number one master is the ownership. Then you have the players and the media to deal with. The players think you're partial to the media. The media thinks you're partial to the players. And the ownership thinks you're partial to the other two people. So you really have to walk the line and you know, understand that the ownership is number one priority. But you have to have credibility. And you have to be honest. And that's what I try to do in my time here was that, you know, maybe not tell everything I knew and not to lie about stuff that I did know. And, and to get through, you know, they keep your credibility intact. Well, you did tell one lie, and this chapter in the book was great because I remember growing up and reading this story, and I was reading the Sports Illustrated, and you talked about a player called Sid Finch and who threw the right. ball 150 miles an hour. And i believing this and reading this story in Sports Illustrated. I'm thinking, who is this guy? Like, I can't wait to see him. And, of course, it's before the Internet. But you were really part, very responsible for this yeah. entire story and the whole uh, everything yeah, about it. Yeah, you look like it's like my- – February 1985, Mark Mulvoy was the editor of Sports Illustrated at the time, and George Clifton called our, our GM, Frank Cashman. Uh, they wanted to do a practical joke, and the Mets would assign this six foot five string bean guy from some faraway country through a fastball 190 miles an hour. <laughs> and so I, he asked Frank, he said, Are you game? He said, Listen, that's how I existed for eight years with Curly Dickens, and we had guys like. Uh, you know, a one-armed fencer, a 43-year-old priest that played hockey, a, a 47-year-old freshman football player. So anything off-beat, I was, I was all for. But if you remember the, in the opening paragraph of the article, it said this is, this is an April Fool's joke, and people didn't really get that. So when the article came out, you know, Mel Stonemeyer, a good friend of our late pitching coach, we organized something at the old Huggins Stangle Field where we had a, a tent. And we had, uh, we said Sid Finch was warming up in the tent, and we had Ron Reynolds, who was one of our catchers at the time, came out of the tent with a, with a hole burned through his glove, <laughs> and we said that that was Sid Finch's, you know, 80 mile an hour, 180 mile an hour fastball. We kept it going for about a day or two, and I got a call from one of the, uh, the New York, one of the uh, uh, editors of one of the New York papers, and it kind of berated me, how can I give the story to Sports Illustrated? We cover you on a daily basis, but you know, with day or two, everybody found out, and you know, you couldn't do that today with internet. No way you could pull off a joke like that. <laughs> the best thing about the joke was, you know, we didn't hurt anybody. We had some fun for a couple of days. 
<laughs> well, that's great. And then, so you start your job at the Mets, and then the 86 Mets team, I mean, it is iconic. There's some teams in baseball, the years go by, and you say, what's a team? But this team with the Keith Hernandez and Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden and Gary Carter and you know, with a manager like Davey Johnson, it's like everything came together. You got the great players, and then they had the historic win over the, over the Red Sox. And it, it's like one of those teams for the ages with such colorful characters as players. We never knew, I never knew what was going to happen when it came to the ballpark. There's a lot of different personalities, but we blended together. We won 116 games during the year. And you'll never forget sitting in Davey Johnson's office with two outs, two strikes on Gary Carter, bottom of the 10th, game six. We're losing by, you know, two runs. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to alibi. You know, we're supposed to win the World Series. We won 114 games in the regular season, and we're going to fall short. But then, you know, we have Kev, uh, Gary gets a hit, Kevin Mitchell, Ray Knight, Lukey's at bat. Next day, we're down 3 nothing. We come back and win. We have a parade. Those are memories I'll, I'll never, ever forget. A great group, group of guys, great personalities. It was something you can, uh, you know, um, always treasure you know, after I'm, you know, let, let the man, leaves the Mets. And then I guess the frustration for Met fans, and I have a lot of Met fans uh, that I know, a lot of my friends, but it's like that team just, they got the one title and nothing else. No other World Series. It was just, yeah. and it was just frustrating. It's like the team that they should, this is like, this felt like that the Yankees had the run when they had the Jeters and, and Paul O'Neill's and Scott Brooks. It's like, right. this seemed like the team that was going to get at least, at least two titles, maybe three or four. Yeah, probably, probably the, one of the worst defeats was the, uh, in the, in the, in the, in the 1988, we won 100 games that year, and we're, we're, we're beating the Dodgers in the ninth inning, and, and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and what's his name? Dwight gives up a home run to Mike Sosha. You know, to tell, you know, he was cruising along, and we lost the, he lost the game in that series. We lost that series in seven games, and we had won that game. I don't think we won in 88, but if you look at the streak from 84 to 90, we averaged probably 94, 95 wins a year. They had the wild card back then. We had been in the playoffs. So yeah, but you're right. We didn't win. We probably should have won more. But despite that, you really can't take away anything from what we did in 86. Yeah, that was great. We're talking to Mr. Matt J. Horowitz. Uh, published a book just came out called Mr. Matt. It's a great book, a great read. Anybody who's a baseball fan or Met fan should definitely. It's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and order it on, on those sites. Um but uh, so the, the the one series in 2000, the Yankees-Mets, I mean, there's always this rivalry between the Yankees and Mets. And, and the Yankee fans are all like, you know, we're the only baseball team in town. The Mets are not even, they're like maybe a, a AAA team and that attitude. But it was, so you had to deal with that for years. And then they finally met in the World Series for the, for the Subway Series. Yeah, and I always felt the 2000 team is probably the most neglected or undervalued team in Mets history. We went over 90 games, really breezed through the playoffs. And we lost the Yankees four, four games to one in the series. We lost the four games by five runs. We lost the first game in extra innings, had a lead going into the ninth inning, didn't hold it. And, you know, I mean, that was a great Yankee team. They were right in the middle of their dynasty at that time. And we had them. We didn't do it. And we lost. But, I mean, you know, it's still, you know, we, we you know, it was a, in 99 to 2000, you know, first time in the playoffs, back-to-back years. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a really good, we had, you know, Mike was Mike and, Robin Ventura, Todd Zeal, and you know Al Leiter and Bobby Jones. It was it, you know, we just fell a little bit short. But I, I just wish the 2000 team would have gotten a lot more credit than they they got in, in the history books. 
And then it has the, the classic game, too, when Mike Piazza and Roger Clemens, and Roger Clemens throws the bat at Mike Piazza and, and, and that yeah. issue. I mean, one of the that most... Was, uh, that was probably one of the most madness I've ever been in the press box <laughs> watching that. You know, I mean, Clemens could have killed Mike, and then he says that after the game, you know, he sort of the ball, which, you know, take that what it is, you know. And I, I forgot that he was that year or the year before, you know, he beat Mike, hit him in the head in the Yankee Stadium. And Mike I had always had great success against Clemens, and I guess he never he always he, he didn't forget about the success he had. But that was probably one of the ugliest things I've seen in my times with the Mets. And then you talk about a nine eleven in terms of how the Mets and, and and both the Mets and the Yankees in New York uh, really rallied around with the city and and what the Mets and Bobby Valentine did uh, just to, just the whole nine eleven thing and 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 then the the game that Piazza hit the home run when the, on the first right. game back after the, the team had been away and you spend a, a a good chapter talking about that. Yeah, that was one of my proudest moments being that team. You know, from the ownership to Bobby to the playoffs to Johnny Franco, Todd Zeal, Ventura. Um, you know, um, Joe McHugh, Vance Wilson, you know, Al White, the guys got it. We did well. They, we went down to ground zero 10, 12 times, really without any cameras. We visited the firehouses, the police stations, the hospitals. You know, Shea Staney was a recovery area. We shipped stuff downtown. And, and then it was capped off by Mike's home run. You know, Mike came up in the innings. I'm not saying I didn't see he was going to hit a home run, but, you know, Mike was a kind of a player. He was in a kind of situation. You knew he was going to do something good and, you know, hits the home run off of Steve Carsey, who was born in Queens. And that was a night that brought the, uh, you know, brought the city back together a little bit. People started to smile. You know, after the game, all of our guys signed uh, autographs to the police and firemen's kids in the, in the uh, you know, in the dugout. It was, really was a night to remember. I think that night, and for the first time in a long time after the attacks, it, you know, the people were allowed to smile a little bit. And then you're, I mean, it's like the Mets every, like, they come out every, like, decade. It's almost like they come up with these other great teams. So then out of nowhere, they really, the 2014 World Series was sort of a surprise in terms of what they, where they were to come up with the Daniel Murphys and Cespedes and everything. But again, they came up a little short against the Royals. Yeah, I mean, you know, Terry Collins did a great job in managing the team that year. We came on the last part of the year, and, and uh, you know, it was great that David Wright was able to get back on the field. He had a big home run against the Royals in the World Series, and Murph was unconscious during the playoffs. And, again, it's unfortunate we, we lose the first game in extra innings. If we had to, you know, not to, you know, if, if candy and whatever that saying goes, but win the first game in the World Series is a different thing. But we, we did in uh, – we fell a little bit short, but there's a lot of good things. You know, we were giving up for dead in, in August, and we came on like gangbusters and, you know, won. And, um, you know, we did a lot of good things. But, you know, got guys like Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe and David came back on the field, and it was a joint effort. And, you know, what, what Murph did in the playoffs was uh, probably never see again for a while. <laughs> And, you know, I liked in your book, I mean, it, you've spanned 40 years as a PR director. It's amazing anybody can even hold any job for 40 years, but now yes. you're more of a team historian. But it, So not only are you friends and, and close with all these players in the past, you talked about Gooden and Strawberry, but then you have Jacob deGrom writes the forward in your book. And, of course, deGrom is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. And, and, and have, talk about your relationship with Jacob. Well, yeah, Jacob, they asked me to, they wanted, because I worked with the alumni now, they wanted me to, to, who I had a good relationship with a current player, to show I reached all the decades. So Jacob and I had a kind of crazy relationship. You know, give an example. I, I would say to him, Jacob, I need you to do two articles. He said, okay, I'll do the articles for you, 
but you know, we had a basketball net up in the clubhouse. He said, if you make two or three baskets, I'll do the article for you. And I never made two or three baskets. He always did the article. <laughs> and he would say another time, you know, uh, I'll do a step for you, but you've got to come on the field. And his fun goes to Stephen Matz and myself. So I did that. Never really hit the ball that well. But I, I try to you, you, ingrain yourself in the fabric of the clubhouse. Let the guys know you're one of them, that you're wearing a stuff suit. And that really was one of the secrets to whatever success I had, getting along with the players. You could take a joke, laugh at yourself. And that's how I try to you know, exist for my time with the Mets. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, potentially with the baseball coming back and uh, and it could be a much shorter season. So you like your, you know, so the Mets, you somehow get, you know, DeGrom with the pitching staff they have. They might be able to, to steal a World Series title this year because the season would be so short and you can, well, you can take advantage of that good well, pitching. Well, I never can tell what happened. I think the Mets are in good shape to play. Hopefully we'll play and, you know, we have DeGrom and, you know, Mats and, um, you know, Marcus Stroman and, you know, and, you know, and, 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 and I think, uh, you know, I think the, the stuff is there to get a, you never can tell it's going to be a short season. You never can tell what can happen. You know, bullpen is solid. So hopefully all, hopefully all good things. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So uh, we've been talking to Jay Horowitz, Mr. Met. Um, his story about being the Mets, about uh, working as the PR director for the Mets for, for 40 years. Um, I guess one of the questions I had before we go is, is with, did, you have a, did you have any interest ever of, of leaving the Mets? I mean, you hear all these people in sports and they're bouncing around from one team to another team, but it is rare to stay at one team that long. I think I might have had one job interview or inquiry. I never really thought about leaving. I was pretty comfortable there. You know, I... I you know, I never thought it was like going to work. You know, I'm, I'm not a really office guy. Every day was different. I like to travel. I like the camaraderie of the locker room. I like the people there. You know, the ownership, friend and Jeff Wilpon have been very good to me. And, and I, I never really thought much about leaving. So I'm glad <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> no, well, I mean, clearly for the Mets. And, and, you know, that was what a great a great mix between you and, and the Mets and for all these years. And, and I think well, that's what, you know, I think that's what's great, your loyalty to the team. And, and you can see the players in terms of in the stories that you have in the book. So definitely thank you for coming on, Iron Sports. Yeah, my time. Appreciate you having me. Be safe and hopefully we'll get through this whole thing we're winning there right now. Let's get, let's get, let's get through it. Let's get baseball oh. back and uh, we can right. start worrying about the games. Okay, thanks again for having me. Thanks, Jay.